Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Open Africa podcast. Uh, with me today, I have the usual suspects. Uh, my name is Furo. I have Musa and Laulu on, on here as well. Hello. Hello everyone. Hi Laulu. Uh, and today we have a guest in the house or on the podcast. Uh, we have with us Tomisin Adishina. He's the co-founder and chief product officer at Vezi Cash. Hi, Thomasin. Hi, Furu. Glad to be here. Great. So if we sound weird, we're still recording remotely. So, um, yeah, just put that out there. Um, and without any much drama, let's just jump into the news of the day. So, you know, before, how would you like to speak about that? Okay, so it's by, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Zazu Africa. They're from Zimbabwe. Uh, it's like a fintech. They, it's, I think the closest thing to what we're familiar with is probably like Bata, but Bata the app, not Flutter with itself. But yeah, so the founder or like the guys there, they're trying to do this thing called Union 54 where to facilitate like seamless payments between like African countries, basically like cross-border payments locally. And they are, they're trying to get like local partners in each of the countries and each each partner will help them like do like card fulfillment and all of that. So Union 54 will be its own like a standalone product for for like African, so like anybody can have like a Union 54 account and you can move money between Union 54 account holders. You can use your card in any country. It's very, very fascinating. It's very ambitious. And I am very interested in seeing how it pans out because like intra-African trade or intra sending money within Africa is still a bit of a struggle. I mean, there's obviously there's EcoBank and their rapid transfer, but yeah does anyone have have an idea about the the size of or the demand um for the volume demand in terms of transfers within africa like for example how much how much of value is being traded between like in nigeria and uganda for example uh personally i actually i don't know but I'll give you an so I'll give you an example. So I was in Kenya, I think a couple of years ago, and I met a guy who was talking about like buying flowers, like for Valentine's Day, and they basically send Kenyan roses go up to like the some Dutch market, and that's where Nigerian Nigerians import the flowers from. So you're buying flowers from Kenya from the Netherlands. So that's like two separate trades that won't be recorded as intra-African trade, if that makes any sense. So, I mean, so there's that. That could affect the numbers as well. I think it's it's not really clear. Isn't that what they're doing? Like, act far, be af, af, whatever. That thing, why refuse to sign? Yes, it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think intra-African trade is definitely something that it happens but then obviously because of all the different currencies that exist um dollar has typically played the role of the unifying factor but then still in terms of actually moving goods around you find that it still bounces out to other countries 
it's like out like other places outside of Africa before it comes to like another African country. It's very weird. But um I guess I like the ambition. <laughs> it's very, very ambitious because I'm seeing buy and trade global currency, invest in USSD USD stocks, uh, free money transfer across Africa, uh, purchase goods in on installments, buy and hold cryptocurrency. They have many, many things they're trying to achieve. And I guess, I mean, I've signed up for their wait list, so it's to wait and see um, what happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like, white, there's like a white paper like going around that I, I read. Uh, I, I really like the idea. Because I mean, at, at the start, let, let them do like payments between African countries. Because I mean, that, if, you're, if you're a country trying to trade, it's only logical you're trading with your neighbors. So there's definitely opportunity there. Yeah. Um, so on to the next bit. Um, Visa is looking to incorporate cryptocurrencies into its payment networks. Lau, do you want to speak on that, actually? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, they haven't. It's just something that they've been talking about in one of their blogs. But they are. it looks like they're getting set to to begin to accept and build for cryptocurrency in their in their payments network. How that is going to pan out, no one is quite sure yet in terms of like the architecture. But it, it does raise questions about for people who are betting who are still betting against crypto, um, when large corporates like Visa begin to position and like the other American banks that have positioned alongside it, when people start to move in that direction, perhaps it's it's about time that people start to to have a second look at it because this is it'll be huge for for cryptocurrencies um around the world given visa's reach and yeah i just i found it very very fascinating yeah, maybe massacre to follow soon <laughs> i think for us in nigeria you know cbn is still a big roadblock in terms of adopting um, cryptocurrency a bit more widely. I know there's still a touch not, as in don't touch um, sort of order when it comes to businesses dealing with crypto and um, for banks, for instance. So it'll be interesting to see if CBN reacts at all <laughs> or if banks start to apply some pressure to shift the mindset of the CBN with regards to um, cryptocurrency. A- oh, my breath. <laughs> There's a lack of understanding as far as what crypto is. If it's a store of value in the sense that it's like it's if it's like an investment or if it's to facilitate trade. And for me, I just I I mean I have crypto because it's going up and I'm trying to like you know make some money off it, but. I still don't see a long-term future for it as like an investment. I see the use case for crypto is more for trade. I don't even think it's going to be like mainstream trade. It's a, it's, it's a bit hard. I, I, I mean, I'm not betting against it, but I just don't think the visions crypto guys have are what will happen, whoever I like. Like I, I think they might have to like reduce the expectations a little bit. But well, fair enough. Um, fair. 
and it's that lack of understanding overall that that is still that is still sort of i don't want to say working against it when it comes to adoption um because even as a as a mid means of exchange of value exchange i i was reading recently that a number of nigerian traders have begun using it actively for international trade between yeah. them and counterparties yeah. in china yeah so it it then begs the question why aren't more people like more traders exploring that option and i think it's just comfort but if if we ever get to a point where someone legitimizes it someone like a, a visa or a mastercard who knows maybe so like, that's the so this the struggle is finding somebody that accepts crypto as means of payment like on the other side so with the with like nigerian traders they're locking out and finding chinese people willing to get crypto the real challenge with crypto is that other that place where you can accept payments with it and i guess that's where visa comes in is in that if it's embedded in the visa network then you can anywhere visa is accepted your crypto is accepted that that's like a good a good thing to have but that's really one limitation as far as the store value because both of you have to agree that yes we are doing crypto and we're yeah. exchanging rather than you using the crypto to get it in another country then you now have to like offboard it into local currency and settle it there so i mean it's there's, there's lots of potential for crypto like i but for me, I, I guess I see it from like a banking perspective, and very, and I see it as a very transactional thing. Uh, I mean, as far as the CBN stands, is CBN is daft, but whatever. If their problem, look, if their problem, if their problem is mode, uh, the things that my eyes have seen, of which we cast fraud in this country. <laughs> It's not, it's not crypto that's stopping guys from doing fraud. So, yeah. better accept it and let people make money because... Yeah. There's a and the more volatile, like, the more volatile the, the economy gets and the currency gets, the, the more, more of a use case. Yes, the more power crypto has. But anyway, let's recap crypto and move on to the next item before we overflow it. Yeah, yeah. we should get Leon to actually give us a full... Thing on crypto because yeah who see me like buy coins uh, on because yeah anyway on to fintechs in Nigeria since you are new to me we Jackpa has jackpot apparently <laughs> 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 so please who has the gist and wants to share love no sir no no interest in this just a mess all the way around all i know how to give us context all i've learned is that people are collecting hundred dollars to do work and me i didn't know that you could find developers for that cheap you know i'm looking for developers too and i didn't know you could get them for hundred dollars do you understand (laughs) i think you guys are doing hiring to bank didn't know that these guys are selling themselves from cheap because you know, I mean, it's not as if you don't, you, you need like plenty, they don't even need to have experience. You just get like one small baby <laughs> developer, build just one part. And since they are collecting 50k, can we just give him 100k? That's all I've learned, learned from this thing because clearly, 
clearly the guys are really exploiting. But it also yeah. makes sense because it explains so all the half-baked apps that we see, like from Nigeria, like startups. Because they're essentially contracting it out to like this cheap labor. They don't have like full product teams. It's just owner has concept. You build app. Let's move on. Yeah. It's interesting to the Nigerian fintech space. Because um, there's always that fear of, you know, joining a startup or being part of the startup team and the uncertainties that surround that. Um, the one that trips me is how, like, anytime something like a scandal comes out of that technology space, people like to act surprised. Like, oh my God, this is so shocking. And I mean, I'm, I'm I generally mean, puzzled. It's not simply a different type of person. Yeah, like, <laughs> Nigeria. Well, we can We're all in this country why, together. Why is, this so unsur- why, is this so, why is this so unsurprising to you? Because we're, we're all Nigerians. But we can. <laughs> Even within the corporate space, we find people that move mad and will be collecting so, extra money from customers on the side and promising them all sorts. So, I mean, I've seen the weakness in, like, in, corporate, like, in the corporate world. So, I don't know why. This is Yaba guys think that you people think t shirt and jeans will suddenly protect you from the wickedness in this country. Like, do you think what's called when they send in there to where I'm buy a mala? You think that's <laughs> what translates to startup? <laughs> but yeah, uh, bank having your 80% of staff as contract staff stuffing the branches, yeah, you get it, it's, it's stems from, from like that's it now. Somebody in a conference actively telling people that, oh, if you want to keep your costs down, your staff expenses down, don't um, hire interns, don't hire full-time employees. Interns will do the work. At a conference. Ask GTB how they keep their staff costs low. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm a strong believer in get what you pay for anyway, so... Look, let me just tell Um, you... Bank, any bank, customer care, uh, max 10 people are full-time. Max. And those 10 people are like managers of the army of customer service agents. So when you hear stuff like bank laid off 7,000 staff, 700 staff, it's not full-time staff they're doing. They're just terminating contracts. Yeah. There's no severe, nothing. Go away, be gone. And when you hire them through third-party uh, organizations. What they call them? Workforce. I believe what's their name? They're Just say workforce. There are plenty. This is, a, this is a big work. I don't, so I don't know why Yaba thinks this stuff is new. There's nothing. It happens everywhere. Exploiting your staff is not a new thing in this country. So if it can happen in the banks and it can happen in oil and gas, it can definitely happen in tech. Okay. Anyways, but Thomasin had a very valid point about you pay for what you, I mean, you get what you pay for, you know, because... Pardon? I said, obviously, that's yeah. why bank customer care is nonsense. <laughs> Please, moving on. Um, CBN is threatening to unveil a four-tiered license, licensing model for fintechs. Um, I personally think that it would be interesting um, because I think more regulation... Uh, for fintechs, perhaps would mean more trust. Although CBN getting a mix of things can also turn things upside down. But yeah, have you seen the guidelines for their sandbox, for the <laughs> CBN sandbox that they are building? 
Yes. I'm not going to this four-tier licensing thing. I, until I see it in front of me, I'm not. I'm not going to. If that thing comes out, if that thing comes out in 20, 2021, let's be grateful. <laughs> As a startup founder, how do you feel about a co-founder at a startup? How do you feel about CBN getting involved in terms of yeah fintech? So with with um with everything, right? There needs to be some level of um, I guess regulation or control but it's just um what manner or what shape are these kinds of regulations taking are they things that are are they things that are going to end up being prohibitive and are they going to end up restricting businesses growth because um when um industries or sectors are in the nascent stages you need to kind of foster um some kind of even if you're not giving any kind of active support, it's it's I think it's very good to to some level allow them to just you know duke it out and you know survival of the fittest kind of. But there's also there's also uh, it's also a need for it to be regulated. So what I'm trying to say in essence is we've heard recently we've seen recently in Lagos in Nigeria we've heard of cases where some very um, some unexpected some expected but they felt they feel like. The, the regulations that we're putting in place are too strong and very prohibitive to the ease of doing business. So as long as these considerations are taken into, these are taken into consideration when they are coming up with these things, um, that, that's, that's, that's all we can really hope for, I think. That's all we can hope for. But I'm, I won't say it's surprising. Yeah. I won't say it's unexpected. I, I think the CBN has given fintechs quite a bit of leeway. Uh, but yeah. I'm not wary of them getting involved still because banks, I was working in a bank, look. you know. <laughs> you know, yeah, look, I, do, if, I don't do your thing. Just know they're not making it better, they're making it worse. And I mean, it's, I guess it was inevitable that they would get involved with fintechs because ultimately those fintechs still fall directly under their purview as a financial services organization. So, the the only concern, it like, and it's like what Furo was saying, if they bring the same standards that they that they give to banks, if they bring it into fintech regulation, then let's all just go and sit down at home, because they are going to erode the the progress of the of the past couple of years, you know, and that agility that sort of defines fintechs. It, it then, for me, that's one of the main major things that is going to be challenged. You know, just the ability to just unveil and launch new products and just move on with your life. Yeah. The CBN having their hands in your business, I'm not sure that's such a such a good thing to be honest with you. But then again, given the way people behave, perhaps it's good. I like it. I love it. Mr. Lisa, you're just not nice for fintech. Anyway. Like, but, because I'm a footer, but I feel like I feel like Scooter follows the rules, so he will love that, you. That, the same way me too, I love you. Startups need a dose of reality. And speaking of Kuda, how many most of us didn't we work at banks? Most of you are Kuda, yeah. yeah. that's what I'm saying now. That you guys follow the you guys follow the rules because you, you guys have worked in banks, you know, and you you understand how the terrain is. 
see you talking about stuff and asking for needs contacts or get this done with needs in, i think everybody needs a dose of reality because i think the problem with with um with i i have with startups in especially like financial data startups i mean the establishment obviously they pay stacks and filter with they understand how this game works but like when new guys enter or in front of just developers that community is then there's a bubble and they don't seem to understand how the world works outside the bubble yeah. like everybody like the other day someone was saying i saw some guy saying some things that why don't um all these banks and fintechs allow you login with your facebook and your twitter go or go into your thing. and it's like it does think sounds like a very a cool thing to you because you you just you just got on firebase and you saw um login kinikini but think about it for yourself use your sense if your if your google gets compromised that means your bank account is compromised do you think do you th- because it seems so obvious there's no it doesn't mean like when things seem obvious there's a good reason why things are the way they are yeah but i think I mean, so the beauty of fintech is that they push the boundaries in terms of asking questions that maybe banks have asked before and moved on from, but then it's good to sort of revisit those questions sometimes, you know. And um, like, I, like I was sharing before, I think CBN getting involved sort of brings in a bit more trust, which is kind of why we have two missing here today to discuss like yeah. the business of trust in Nigeria. Because I feel like there's a severe lack of trust in the country because I think as naturally as people i think we're just quite dubious and everybody's trying to find a way around um to get things maximum get maximum value without putting out um least efforts exactly exactly and we're seeing like in the last year two like in the last year or two there's been a like a serious rise in terms of businesses offering escrow so thomasin would you like to talk to us a bit about like your journey to vesicash um from how you started and where you are currently okay thank you um so basically vesicash is a is a um <laughs> i've heard you say that because of no side but basically a company that offers payment security payment security technology to individuals and businesses that need it um so we started out um um i met my co-founders at um nest which is a training program in ghana for africans um while we we're there one of the exercises that we did was to one of the capstone projects we worked on was we worked on an uh, on a peer-to-peer shipping uh, platform uh, called rockstar so rockstar we're trying to match um people traveling with people who needed things in nigeria or ghana or africa people who are coming from abroad so essentially they bring the items with them and then they get a fee for their for their service one of the challenges we faced was that we needed to give um the travelers so travelers may not may not have had that the amount of money they needed to get those items and we needed the travelers to buy okay I don't, i'm going too deep into this into the into the, into that into um, rockstar but basically we ended up losing a lot of money um, we ended up losing a lot of money running that business because um, we ended up being defrauded by some of the travelers. In my personal life too, um, in my working as a freelancer, I'd face that challenge as well of, you know, delivering a service 
and um it's always it's always easy it's always easy for for you to be harassed even if you maybe you've not gotten the entire payment but once you deliver you, your the client ghosts you so we, we we looking at the problem that rockstar faced looking at the problem with trust we looked at um we realized that there was a problem of a fundamental problem with how um commerce is carried out in nigeria in africa so if you look at how e-commerce took shape in africa we kind of skipped some steps we kind of skipped some steps like typically you'd want to go to a website um, select an item like this proper e-commerce experiences you go to the website you discover the item you look at the item you look at reviews of the item and that gives you enough confidence to say okay i want to buy this item and then you make the payment for the item you receive you make that payment online you receive it and then when you receive it you you're satisfied you leave a review but the way e-commerce has been uh, modeled in africa we kind of went straight to pay on delivery model and nobody's really to blame for that because we're at a stage where maybe payments didn't used to happen as smoothly or as quickly as they should so the e-commerce companies had to optimize for that and pay on delivery is something that the typical um shopper in in nigeria is very comfortable with what was the problem with um, um pay on delivery pay on delivery model is is it's risky for the merchant. It puts all the risk on the merchant or on the seller because they can give out the item to their um, logistics um, service provider. The 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 item gets delivered. The customer says they don't want it anymore. The customer is unavailable. They require multiple trips. They lose a lot of money in this yeah. process. So that, that's yeah, exactly. So that's why we we so when we when we built our very first um, version of the product in Ghana, we looked at we built it as an e-commerce solution solely um but we we realized that that was very limiting and we realized that there was a use there was a larger use case for an escrow solution so we went back we kind of rebuilt our technology we patented our software i mean we patented our our design and the way we conduct escrow because what we've built is basically an infrastructure so basically as a company is not just um we don't just build products we're sector agnostic because we work with people in the logistics space. We work with banks. Um, we work with um, people who sell on social media, social commerce sellers. And what we've done is we just we're just we're just um, at the back at the backbone of these facilitating commerce transactions because typically, so typically how a transaction works is you see something you want on on Instagram or Twitter um you make a, tra- a bank transfer once you make that bank transfer now you can see the risk we talked about with the pay on delivery model now the risk is transferred to you as a customer because yeah. once you make that transfer there's no there's no guarantee you get what you paid for yeah so we, we, we we're looking for how do you how do you meet, get people to meet in the middle how do you show the merchant that okay um, the customer has made financial commitment meaning they really want to pay for this item also how do you secure the customer and tell them that look your money is safe until you get what you delivered and it's exactly what you're expecting so that's how um that's how our solution is modeled basically the funds remain in escrow until both parties agree that it's um the delivery has been carried out as expected okay so 
quick question for me because this is this is the one area where um it hasn't really been clear to me like so the, the payment bit is kind of clear i can see like how efficient that could be you know once the two parties confirm that everything is all well and good then your system will release funds and then the, the beneficiary will be credited but for your dispute settlement how is that managed and how efficient is that process okay so uh i'll take it back a bit to answer that question so when we looked at when we looked at the market and understand and understood the transaction process we realized that a person who has made a payment is very unlikely to want to defraud so if you made a payment you made a commitment that means you actually value that item more than the money you have in your hand so looking at that <clears throat> look at the scenario of um oh i received my item but i want but i claim i didn't receive the item so what we what the way our process works is the money the, the money that has been paid remains in escrow until it has been um authorized for release by both parties so the the funds require a two-factor release before a two-factor authorization before it's released from escrow so funds that have not been agreed to agreed for release by both parties remain in escrow but with that comes so what we realize is that in most situations, people just want a, a a platform or an opportunity to discuss or to to discuss um, their misunderstanding. So our, our process, the very first step of our dispute resolution, resolution process, is to allow both parties in, interact and interface. And about we we'll say ninety percent of of um, disputes are resolved that way on our platform. So it's it's usually due to a misunderstanding or just something else or something that can be resolved i was i was asking that is it like a phone call no that takes place on our platform like there's a chat interface oh okay can, like recorded yes. messages so that you guys can review or something later or do you so, guys track so that, no, that that process happens the interact that initial um, um process stage happens independent of us it happens on our platform but we're not involved in that so if that can be resolved at that stage, if it can be resolved at that stage, then it's escalated. So, depending on the value of the transaction, when, you're, when we're dealing with higher, um, higher, higher volume transactions, we have um, license mediators that we work with, who, which you would have agreed to at the beginning of that transaction, that okay, in, a, in, a, in an event of a dispute and we can't come to a resolution, it will be handled by mediation, and those costs are borne by transacting parties. Otherwise, if um, that mediation option wasn't selected, then we handle we handle it. So it's our own discretion to rule either way. Okay. But like yeah. I said, we've come to we've, we've come to realize that cases don't actually get to a need for us to step in or a need for mediation. Most cases most cases are resolved once they get the chance to um, interact and communicate. Okay. What are some of the like cases that have surprised you in terms of rolling out Bezi Cash? I, 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 I don't know where to see it. I, but so one of the beauties of the way we build our technology is building as an infrastructure. And then, okay, on that infrastructure, we built a number of products. So one of the products that we built on that is our instant escrow um, solution. So with instant, with instant escrow, you can just create an escrow transaction in like, in like, in like a minute. 
we've, we, we discovered that um, on one of the platforms where one of the popular forums, one of the most popular forum in Nigeria, we discovered that um, people were advertising their services um, and using us as the ESCO component for that. And one of the services, one of the services that we were advertising was, you know, organizing your NYSC, um, organizing your NYSC posting. So if the posting doesn't get, <laughs> if the posting doesn't uh, get sorted, then the money is held in escrow and 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 that kind of scenario. So that was the most surprising um, use case we saw of our technology. It's very interesting. <laughs> Um, Nessa, any questions? Interesting and somewhat illegal, but okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so we, we made it. We the first once we discovered that we actually had to reach out to them to make them understand that we don't um, condone any sort of uh, illegal activity. So that was made clear right away. Yeah. So I guess for me, it's I mean, Laura and I have had this discussion before whether escrow is a product or a feature. I mean, you're obviously aware of that because for for someone that's that that's gladly doing pay on delivery, like a customer, get there's no incentive for the for the guy to do to do like escrow. The person who really wants it to be who really wants the escrow is the guy that doesn't want to do the pay on delivery anymore, aka the merchant. So. As I'm ordering from like Jumia Food now, and I'm telling them I'll pay debit card on delivery. If the rider annoys me, I can drive and leave my house. I have that freedom, but there's there's trying to get me to say, oh, okay, now so I'll put your money down first before they send the food. Why would I want to do that? So like that's so that that's where my my entire thing as far as product versus feature like it's not a it's not a mass market thing like you can't do like a i don't i don't see how you can do a marketing campaign around this like it's more of like a b2b business where a bank is offering it to their sme clients to like embed it into their into their system or something like a paystack or a deal day or a conga is embedding it into the assistance more corporate sales so can you like what what is you guys's vision for this like per se so that's that's very very insightful so when we look at it is so like i said before we built us a software a solution as an infrastructure i i i don't personally believe that um the mass market is unattainable um even though it's just one of the sectors we work in, like typical um, P2P transactions. What we, what we got to learn from the market is that the, the concept of escrow is not new. Like it's not new and it's not, it's not a, a novel thing, right? Yeah. But the typical consumer that, that may need escrow for that transaction, for even if you want to place a bet like with, with your friend, that kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. You, 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 may, you know what you need, but you may not know what escrow is. So one of the challenges we've had is customer education, trying to, you know, um, synonymize basic cash with the term escrow, uh, which I think we've, we've, done, we've done well with, but obviously we can do better. But 
it's been very challenging trying to get people to understand that you know this concept when you, money is here doesn't go is with someone is safe it's been very challenging trying to get that um to to simplify that concept even though it's a concept that they understand was helping them understand that the word is escrow so we've we've made a, we've made some progress with that but we're still trying other things and still trying to optimize best for that but apart from that um like i said we work with banks um some banks already have escrow some banks already issue letter of credit um, bank guarantees but most of them need to digitize this process number of banks we've spoken to also um they may not be fully satisfied with how they're offering escrow to their enterprise clients and the fact of the matter is the retail sector is the retail sector is where most banks want to improve so even when we're talking about um the higher value transactions everybody still looks at this largely unstructured um social commerce space as something that um, value can be derived from so even so there's there, there's still a lot to be done in that space we we recently um launched our vendors vendors by vesicash platform where you can see where social commerce vendors where you can cross-reference the social commerce vendors social media handle and see their transaction um history or their yeah and also create an escrow transaction from that profile so it's not i don't think it's unattainable but i think that it's going to be a lot of work and we are willing to put in that work okay fair enough. you strongly believe in this retail p2p play that do you think there's value there? Hundred percent to just hundred percent by the work. I think there's value to justify the work. And I think I think that's it's obvious when you see how many um, how would you say how many uh, struggling for the word here how many ways different people have tried to um, solve for the space. I think I think that also makes you understand that helps you understand that there's a value there to be captured. Um, I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that um, our learnings have positioned us pretty well to make a good run at it. Okay. Do you guys process payments? Like we work RMC, with, pay, we work with, we work with, uh, so we work with payment service providers and, ba- and banks. We work with Providence Bank. We work Global Accelerate to process payments. And then outside of the country, we have um, partners we work with outside of the country as well. We have clients outside of Nigeria. So I think. So would you want to go into that payment space? So going into the payment space for us is mm-hmm. will mean going into the space as some sort of vertical integration. It will be. As a com- um, to compete with um, players in the space, it would be to help minimize our costs as best as possible, primarily. Yeah, that's actually what I was going. Okay. Yeah, that's really that's what I was going with because. So, like PayPal, PayPal has like an escrow an escrow thing, like consumer protect buyer protection or something like that. Yeah. Because it was largely made for like eBay payment, it was supposed to like, protect like people from Nigerian scammers on eBay, etc., etc. 
but PayPal became like they like became like a, a payments business. So that's what I was asked for, like for you, because you're going to have to like sh- you're going to have to share money with lots of people in this in this. Mm-hmm. So like if the standard fee on a transaction is one point one point five percent, you guys obviously you put your own your own cuts on top of that, yeah. Correct, correct. So, so the idea, so, so, so would you, to, would you want to pay me? Definitely, you know, when you're in business, it's about reducing costs and, you know, um, generating revenue. So anywhere we, anywhere we can do that, anywhere we can cut our costs, we we'll look into that. But for now, and always the goal of, for Vestigas as a company is provide payment security, ensure that people get value for what they're paying for. That's always, uh, that's just uh, not stuff. All right. So, mm-hmm. any, any final comments from you, Tomisi? I mean, I know that you reached out to us based on our, you know, the last episode and our, our views on um, escrow as a service or versus escrow as a, a whole product. Um, so, do you have any, like, parting comments that you want to make with regards, like, Bezicash, the direction you guys are going in and um, sort of what to expect in the future? So, um... Basic cash as a companies, our our primary goal is um, buyer protection, and we also want um, digital commerce to be something that the typical consumer is no longer afraid of. You know, something that is not a cause for fear. We want people to be comfortable making payments. We want people to be sure that they always get value for what they pay for, and we'll keep optimizing our products, our, our solution, our technology to provide for that okay any final comments uh, nothing from me i just want to wish busy cash the best of luck you know that doing business in nigeria is not always like the easiest thing but all the best to them i mean it's a product that i believe in i, I think that has been made very obvious so good luck thank you thank you no, sir, have you been converted to a believer or you're still a skeptic? I'm not a skeptic, it's just I like I like to do I like the business, but I really think either you're going either you start processing payments or and like handling like the payments thing or you are embedded in another another feature. So it, again, I, I I really 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 want want this to be a thing because it's because I think like Esco is like one of those silent and very underrated parts of like dispute resolution and I and I run into a lot of those like I paid for something I didn't get value complaints from like my customers and I'm like I'm just going to send an email to the other bank and hope for the best because you know i don't i don't control that payments with the other bank so like i definitely see like the use case and, and the value the thing is i don't know if the market even knows they need it or or is willing to pay for it and is that and it's that cost thing because if you're doing like an online transaction it's typically 1.5 percent would you pay two percent to like protect 
protect it like with like escrow or because that that is like it's, it's cutting into your own cost or would it would you just gladly pay 1.5 percent for a payment processor that already has escrow embedded in it i don't even know if payment processor is the right is the right term here but the guy that's facilitating payment between you and your guy share wouldn't you just rather pay like if pay came and said they had buyer protection now yeah I get what you mean. So I guess the question then is, you know, what are the, in terms of moving forward, are there partnerships that the Vezi Cash team is looking at um, getting into? Because uh, escrow is kind of like, would I say like similar to insurance in my view, you know, it's something that you need, but then you don't think about it. It's something that you kind of want just embedded in your day-to-day life pretty much. It's not something that you want to actively um, mm-hmm. search out for so it's then a case of you know tidying up partnerships such that in your online any transaction you're doing on you know these e-commerce sites or um, concluding via Instagram vendors or whatever it's like embedded in that flow and you're not changing customer behavior too much um, I think that that would be like ideal uh, when it comes to like export services Bang on, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Tomisin. It was great to have you on today's episode. We hope you had a good time with us today. A big fan of the pod, big fan of the pod, and I'm really happy to get to interact with you guys one on one and you know, kind of see how you guys are seeing it, and that will make us better and help us with what we're doing. You know, and, and and I also have to like commend the consistency of the podcast. I'm a big podcast fan and it's very few podcasts, very few Nigerian podcasts that are consistent with the quality and also the quantity of their, their podcast. So thanks guys. You you guys are doing a very much needed service. Thank you, Thomasin. <laughs> high, high praise. Um, so thanks Thank again, you. everyone, for listening. Um, I hope that you are keeping safe and doing well um and then i guess until the next episode goodbye everyone <laughs> right. goodbye <laughs>